And welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Fired Up, the political talk show here on WJMSRadio.com. This is Steve. I host the show each week and we get into what makes our political system work or not work. So let's dive into it, shall we? Uh, It's been another busy week. A lot of uh, events and news related to the COVID-19 virus and the fact that we now have some 30 plus states across the country which are in some level or another of reopening their uh, meeting places, their restaurants, stores and others as they try to restart the economy uh, state by state. And we've got you know, the usual political games being played. Uh, one thing to take note as we jump right into it for um, this Monday is uh, something that as we look back on this uh, virus, this pandemic, and its effect on the United States, what we're going to see, I believe, is that the COVID-19 virus really laid bare some of the structural and procedural things that are a problem in this country, uh, particularly when it comes to responding to illnesses such as these uh, and the, the strain and further exacerbation of the political divide in this country as both sides begin to you know, play their spin and, and play their games with how this virus is impacting our country. Uh, depending on who you talk to, it ranges everywhere from you know, something akin to the end of the world uh, to down to it is nothing but a bald-faced lie and you know, it's all made up, it's fake, etc., etc. And uh, we're going to get into that in this show. I want to dedicate quite a chunk of this show to talking about the impacts of coronavirus and COVID-19 on our country, both in terms of its political impact, uh, its impact on policy, its impact on our economy, and its impact on our people. And uh, one of the things, and, and I will devote a good chunk of the discussion to this, you know, coming up, is it raises the question and the question is how many lives are worth restarting and getting our economy back to something like the normal it used to be you know late last year uh is is it you know eighty thousand uh well we're almost there is it a hundred thousand we're we're rapidly heading toward that is it two hundred thousand uh you know There's a a big cry out there. Uh, There are a lot of protests going on in various states around the country to reopen, you know, individual states and to get the American economy uh, back working again. Uh, But when you contrast that with what science and the medical community are are telling us, that relaxing our you know, social distancing and, you know, uh, PPE use in public and gathering in, in small numbers rather than large numbers. If we are doing that, then we are, are running the risk of driving our uh, contagion rate and our death rate through the roof. And I, I've got some numbers and we'll talk about that as well in this show. But I really want to start off with, you know, what the coronavirus is is kind of impacting this country in in terms of, of the political you know as i said we've got you know conservatives and you know people on the right 
who are arguing that you know they don't believe the numbers they don't trust the government's reporting of it um, you know and you know people on the left who are saying you know it, it's too soon to open up the states it's only gonna uh, gonna exacerbate the problem you know there, there's there's room in between there's there's all kinds of talk going back and forth uh, so maybe we can try and get into some some facts here uh, but let's let's start it off you know let's let's look at the numbers you know at the national level uh, and according to the uh, sources as of you know Monday morning uh, there's uh, 1.33 million uh, Americans have uh, contracted the COVID-19 coronavirus uh, disease and uh, just under 80,000 79,000 and change uh, people have perished have died from the disease and that number keeps climbing we're we're adding between a thousand and two thousand deaths a day uh, and you know that that's a huge number it's having a huge impact on our people uh, the the question that that raises and that we'll get into is you know how many people dying is enough of a price to pay to you know return our economy to return our daily lives to what it looked like before coronavirus came across the ocean and, and landed here in America and I'm not saying that to to minimize the the disease this disease has has devastated portions of this country it has you know rocked uh, America back on its heels in terms of our ability to respond to a countrywide uh, epidemic or pandemic it has you know made the political battles that have been going on for you know the the last few years and beyond uh, into a much more heated uh, finger pointing you know I don't believe your numbers well I don't believe your numbers uh, kind of battle uh, so it is really really kind of, of laid bare some of the structural things that are problematic in this country when it comes to keeping our people safe. Uh, now you can lay some of that uh, blame on, at the doorstep of the current administration and you wouldn't be far off to do that. You know, clearly the, the, the indications are that had the administration responded to this uh, much more forcefully uh, in you know, early January and into February, uh, the the death rate would likely have been different. I won't say that it, it would absolutely be different, but it would likely have been different than it is. And the impact on our economic systems, our jobs, our infrastructure uh, could have been anticipated and, you know, steps put in place to make sure that we have what we need to to combat this disease. You know, one of the biggest things that has been a challenge out there uh, especially, you know, as we we came through February and into March, was the realization that you know, number one, we didn't have enough testing materials in order to uh, come anywhere near the number of tests that we needed to do, and you know, this was already being shown as a big uh, assist in terms of identifying the pockets of disease, identifying their boundaries, and helping to put. Uh, containment and control into place if you look at countries like you know what uh, China has done and what uh, South Korea has done and what Italy did and what Britain is doing 
and Germany and Sweden and other countries where they, they early on identified that the way this virus is contained is through social distancing, is through limiting contact of people, is through you know, limiting the number of people that can gather in any given place, uh, is an increase in, in, in cleanliness and sanitation, hand washing, wiping down surfaces, doing all of the things that we now are doing as a matter of course. Uh, had we have been doing those much more earnestly uh, you know, in, in February and into March, we probably would be looking at a different shape to the infection and death curve that we have here in this country. And I don't say that lightly. Keep in mind that the United States uh, currently has uh, about 26-27% of all of the cases identified of COVID-19 worldwide. Uh, and, you know, the number of deaths that we've seen in the world, uh, we have an, an equal share of that as well. We have the highest infection rate and uh, among the highest, if not the highest, uh, death rate from this illness of any country uh, in the world. And, you know, some would argue that it, it didn't have to be this way. Had we responded more forcefully, and more earnestly early on. Maybe the, the, the impacts of the disease could have been controlled better, uh, especially as we look at, at not only the hot spots, and you know, we, of course, the news is all full of what's going on in New York and California and Washington State and, and you know, Louisiana and other places where the virus has really just uh, almost gotten completely out of control. But what we're also seeing, and when you dig in and go behind the numbers and look at the state-by-state -state totals, one of the things that you see most clearly is that although you know, states like New York uh, have leveled off and in, in it looks like their you know, infection rate and their death rate is actually declining, uh, other states are still on the uphill side of that curve. In fact, the majority of states in the country are still not yet at or past the peak infection rate and death rate from this virus. Uh, when you go and look at you know, the, the CDC website or the National Institutes of Health website uh, and look at the statistics state by state, uh, pretty much you know, just about any state other than the, the ones I just mentioned, if you look at their numbers, their numbers are still growing day by day, even though they don't have the population density, they don't have the number of people, you know, congested into urban areas. Uh, their rates are, are still growing. And, you know, what you look at when people look at the numbers and say that, well, overall, the, the, the curve in America is, is leveling off, that's pretty much uh, true because those numbers are being driven by those big states, by New York, by California, you know, by other you know, urban areas uh, where control measures have been put in place and testing is happen happening and tracing and communication with people who've been in contact is happening. Yes, those numbers are in fact leveling off and in some cases dropping, but they are overshadowing the number of states where the numbers are still on the rise. Uh, you know, and this is fueling a lot of this, this confusion and conflict over 
you know, what this disease is actually doing. And it's driving a lot of conspiracy theories, you know, in terms of not having confidence in the numbers and, and all of that. So, you know, it, it, it just goes back as we always say, and I hate to be a broken record, but I'm gonna be a broken record. You know, you have to dig into the facts, you have to find out the numbers. It doesn't matter where you're getting your, your story source from, dig into it, go behind the curtain, find out what's going on, get an understanding of, of where the numbers are coming from, and figure out for yourself what they mean. You know, if your, your state is still on the upswing of the infection curve and, you know, the, the pressure is on, as it has been over the last week, to start to reopen your state, realize that the more, you know, human contact there is, the more we gather in places, the more that we crowd out onto the beaches and the parks and you know, try and get back into restaurants and bars and movie theaters, the more we have that close human contact, the more this disease is going to spread. You know, one of the points that has been brought forward, has been discussed a few times by the medical community, is you know, how this, this disease is going to progress through our country over the balance of this year and in future years. And you know, it, it eventually it will get to a state that is similar to you know, influenza or, or the, the quote common flu, close quote, that occurs here you know, annually. Uh, one of the things where people who are saying that you know, the, the coronavirus, which is in the same family as the flu, uh, actually really just is the flu, well, it, it's different. It's a strain of this disease that the human body has not seen before in any, any shape or form. Uh, we don't have the defenses that have been built up you know, within individuals and the so-called herd immunity. Understand, we have, been, we have been fighting against the flu for decades. You know, there, there have been vaccines created, there have been treatments that have been out there, you know, going back as, as long as I can remember. And, you know, as a result, overall, the average resistance within the human population to influenza is very high. You know, not every one of us get flu shots every year. Uh, I don't know the exact statistics, but I know it is not more than half of the population, depending on, on age groups. Uh, but, you know, we all have gotten the flu at some point or other in our lives. You know, we get it, it knocks us on our back, you know, we, we feel like crap for a week or whatever, and then, you know, our body fights it off and we go back to what we have to do. Well, we're not there yet with, with COVID-19. We're not there yet with this disease. We don't have enough people who have been infected to form that so-called herd immunity. And the experts are telling us that we won't get there until 60 to 70% of the population has actually been infected. Process that for a second. You know, we've got, you know, uh, a million three people who have been infected. We're a country of 320 something million people. So, you know, there's still, you know, another uh, 200 plus million people that have got to become sick with this disease in order for us to get an overall biological human immunity to it or resistance to it 
uh, just through natural causes. Our bodies can fight this off. Science has proven that. You know, it's just that this is a new strain and we don't have a, a, a biological, you know, an internal defense mechanism that works too well, which is why so many people get sick and unfortunately why so many people die from this disease. And that there is no cure, there is no vaccine out there. Uh, there are, you know, promising drugs that are, are coming onto market. Uh, kudos to the medical and scientific community. They are doing yeoman work on pushing, you know, therapies through and trying to get reliable testing done and finding out, you know, how efficient and what the efficacy of these drugs are. Uh, the, the medical community and the scientific community are just, you know, going all out with, with developing and testing and trying to find uh, some ways that, that this disease can be you know, treated and, and hopefully mitigated, uh, but we are a long way off from having any kind of vaccine. Um, best references from science community is that is between 12 and 18 months away. And, you know, keep this in mind, you know, everybody here is, oh, it's a year, it's a year and a half away. Realize that normally in order to bring a, a treatment and vaccine uh, into the marketplace to deal with an illness is a two, three, four, or more year process. So this is being fast-tracked at warp speed to try and get this, this vaccine or one of these vaccines or a group of these vaccines out into the marketplace in sufficient quantities where you know, that, that testing and vaccination can happen like we have with the flu. You know? So it, it, it is a process, people, something that we have to continue to work through and something that we have to continue to struggle with and you know there are things that we need to do in order to slow the progress as much as we can and keep it from becoming an even greater pandemic than it already is the bottom line that we have to keep in mind ladies and gentlemen is you know the the states can reopen uh we can start to go back into certain areas that that we we occupied before this disease came upon us um, but we really need to be smart about it. We really need to pay heed to what the doctors are telling us that, you know, wearing a mask uh, is necessary in order to prevent spreading the disease uh, from one person to another or, you know, assisting and helping to stop acquiring the disease from one person to another, that we need to wash our hands frequently, that we need to wear, you know, gloves and, and just uh, maintain you know that that distance from one another uh, and make changes and make adaptations to how we do things um, you know yes it's had a huge impact on you know the economy and you know we're going to dive into that and and talk about you know some of the industries and some of the the segments of the economy that have been impacted and, and what those impacts are you know and there, there was a, a chart that was out, some statistics put together that looked at, uh, you know, March of 2020, uh, compared it to February of 2020, and also compared it to March of 2019. And as you look across these, these 
sectors of, of the economy, you know, all you see with the exception of a handful uh, are everything has been negatively impacted. Uh, I'll, I'll run down this list and give you a few of the highlights. Um, you know, all retail and food service uh, sectors except for gasoline are down 5.1% uh, from a year ago and 8% between February and March. Uh, all retail is down 3.8%, and that's a drop from, you know, uh, $463 billion in February, uh, $451 billion a year ago, down to $434 billion uh, in March of this year. Um, you know, furniture and home furnishing stores are down 24%. Uh, what else we got? Motor vehicle and parts dealers are down 23%. Uh, auto and other motor vehicles, auto sales, are down 24%. Electronics and appliance stores, down 15%, almost 16%. Gas stations, down 18%. Uh, clothing stores, clothing stores have dropped 50% February of this year to March of this year and 50% lower than they were a year ago. Uh, sporting goods, hobby, musical instruments, etc., 22 and 23% lower. Department stores are down almost 24%. Um, you know, so, and oh, food service and drinking places, 26% uh, between March of this year and February of this year, 23% if you look back a year ago to March in 2019. Now, some of the sectors have seen increases. Building material and garden equipment is up about 1.3% uh, uh, March to February and 28%, I'm sorry, 7.6% uh, between March this year and March last year. Food and beverage stores, 25.6% uh, a month ago, 28% a year ago. Uh, grocery stores up 26% uh, a month ago and uh, up 29% compared to a year ago. Health and personal care stores 4.3% in both categories. Uh, general merchandise stores 6.4% a month ago, 7.5% comparing a year ago. And non-store retailers, which includes online sales, 3.1% uh, February over March of this year, 9.7% uh, over last year. So, you know, the, the economy has taken a huge hit, uh, will continue to take a hit, and it's creating pressure to get, you know, working again, to get the economy back started. But I come back to my point. It's okay if we begin to roll out and gradually start our economy back up, but people, let's do it smartly. You know, let's, let's look at how we, how we uh, handle social distancing, how we handle uh, specific uh, tasks we need to do, you know, let, let's not be uh, in a, such a hurry to get everything back to something like what normal was, you know, six or eight months ago, uh, that we basically create the scenario where more and more people are going to die. One uh, uh, factoid that came out over the last week or so was that you know if we rush out and reopen economies and reopen markets too soon, uh, we could see a death toll by August of more than 
130 to 160 million people. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break uh, for public service announcement. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the numbers and talk more about the impacts of this uh, disease on our country. The, you're listening to Fired Up. This is Steve. We're on WJMSRadio.com. Thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. What is the 2020 census? Every 10 years, the census records everyone living in this country. It's written in the Constitution and comes in a questionnaire that counts everyone who lives at your address on April 1st. The data can be used to inform funding for services like fire stations, schools, clinics, and representation that affect your community. How will 2020 census data be used? Where there are more people, there are more needs for public services. That's why the census is used by the government to inform funding decisions each year. But that's not all. It's also used by nonprofits to inform services, by businesses to create jobs, and even by students for school projects. Understanding how the population changes helps us shape communities across the country for the better. How does the 2020 census affect representation? There are 435 seats in the House of Representatives. These get distributed to the 50 states by population, and an accurate census response helps your state get the right amount of seats. States with smaller populations get at least one, while states with larger populations might get more. How do I take the 2020 census? In March 2020, every address in the country will receive an invitation to complete a simple questionnaire. And there are three ways to respond. Number one, do it online. Number two, call by phone. Number three, send it by mail. For those who don't respond, a census taker from your community will follow up and assist you. Is my 2020 census data safe? After sending your census response, your personal information is kept safe. By law, it can't be shared with any other government agency, law enforcement, or landlord. No one. So take your 2020 census with peace of mind. Shape your future. Start here. Visit 2020census.gov. And we're back. Public service message was brought to you by the United States Census Bureau and your friends here at WJMSRadio.com. Welcome back to Fired Up. This is Steve. We're here each week, as always, talking about politics and the things that are going on in this country. I want to pick up where, kind of where I left off in a second, but I do want to kind of lighten the mood a little bit and uh, kind of look at some of the the crazy things that, you know, the the coronavirus uh, is making us do. Uh, and a news article came out uh, out of um, California, in San Diego County in particular, where in this grocery store in, uh, in a town called Santee, a gentleman came into the store to do his shopping. And, you know, he was following the protocol uh, but he had a rather unique choice for a protective mask in that he was wearing a uh, hood uh, similar to what the Ku Klux Klan wears as he went around his doing his shopping business in this store. Needless to say, he created quite a stir 
uh, both in the store and in the community as people have reacted to this uh, obviously um, <laughs> strange uh, is putting it lightly but this this controversial uh, approach uh, this gentleman had to you know to wearing a mask and following the protocols for keeping you know himself and others safe from the the COVID disease so you know the the craziness is still out there people and it, it's happening all around us uh, want to get back to the discussion on you know what it's going to take to you know bring our economy back uh, in some form or fashion uh, I think it is safe to say that you know it is it is not going to get back to where it was at this time last year you know but it is going to get back you know we are going to come back from this uh, as long as you know we keep perspective on what this this illness means uh, to our country what it means to our citizens uh, just so to, to give a few numbers <clears throat> excuse me uh, as I said at the top you know we are approaching you know 80,000 people who have died from you know, COVID-19 Keep in mind that that is a total number of deaths greater than all military personnel that have died in every war and conflict that the United States has been involved in since Vietnam. Uh, the total number of U.S. military personnel, and this doesn't count civilian casualties, uh, it is just people in a military capacity in one form or another, uh, 65,919 uh, military personnel have died in wars and conflicts since the Vietnam War uh, in the 70s. And, you know, we're at 80,000 in, you know, three months with uh, COVID-19. You know, as of today, as of Monday, as I said, about 79,000 people have, have died in this disease. And, you know, something to keep in mind is that where these numbers are falling depends on where you live, number one, and the, the history that you have with medical care and other factors. Uh, so what we are seeing is that while, you know, 52% of, you know, non-Hispanic white people in this country uh, have, uh, have died from COVID-19, you know, this year, um, you know, 21.2% of non-Hispanic, Black, or African-American people have died. 16.5% uh, of Hispanic or Latino people have died. 6.1% of Asian and 0.3% of non-Hispanic, American, Indian, or Alaska Natives have, have died. And these numbers come from the, the death rates that are reported by the states. Uh, the actual counts are low because not every state is reporting statistics on race and ethnicity uh, as impacted by the uh, virus disease. But I, I took uh, a little math here and just projected that if we look at August 1st of this year, given that the projections are for about 137,000 uh, people to have died, that will translate to about 71,000 um, white people, 29,000 uh, African-American or black, 
22,600 uh, Latino or Hispanic and about 8,400 Asian people will die from this disease if we run recklessly into reopening you know, our economies and reopening our infrastructure uh, without being careful and taking the precautions that we need to, uh, to take. Um, and you know, another little fact is that uh, more men than women are being impacted by the disease. Uh, according again to the numbers that have been reported, about 26% of men are, are getting infected with this disease and about 16% of women end up testing positive for this disease. Uh, you know, so it, it's a real thing, people. It, it is real, uh, you know, a, as much as it's, it's entertaining to look at the, the um, conspiracy theories out there and, and look at all of the, the talk about, you know, this is not true, that it's fake news, etc. Um, you know, if you are a family who has lost a loved one to this, this disease, this is not fake news. You know, and I can speak to this from experience, having lost a member of my extended family to this illness just in the recent weeks. Um, and you know, th this is not a joke. This is not fake. People are dying for real from this illness, and we need to take the necessary precautions to protect ourselves. Um, you know, but you know, of course, all things being political, you know, when you look at um, whether or not, you know, the political leadership in this country, and this is all up and down the boards, it's not just national leadership, this is state and local. Um, you know, in, in recent polls, 92% of Democrats oppose reopening the states, you know, drastically. They, they, they are not in favor of just opening everything back up, you know, right away. Uh, and compare that with 35%, of Republicans that think that you know we just need to open the gates and and let everybody back out in, into the into the mix you know in in a hurry so you know we 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 are not we are not totally convinced that reopening is the best course of action uh, yet we are still seeing some 30 plus states I believe it's 38 states now that have some level of reopening portions of their economies back up to the public. Uh, we've seen articles and news stories that talk about loosening the restrictions for mask wearing in some areas, while other areas are tightening up mask wearing and actually stepping up enforcement. Uh, you know, in, in California, they had a beach that had been open and in the span of, uh, I believe it was one day or one weekend, more than 7,500 people were issued verbal warnings for not following you know, masking protocols or social distancing protocols. And it was creating such a, a firestorm that the governor uh, actually, and this I believe was in California, actually ended up closing that beach down again. Uh, clearly, you know, that that did not work too well. So, you know, the, the, the thing, as I said in, in, the, in the early segment, you know, let's be smart about this. You know, it, it's something that 
we are, are going to have to address, we are going to have to take seriously. It is impacting you know, portions of our population disproportionately higher than others. And it, it, it is something where you know, we have to ask ourselves, you know, how many deaths are acceptable to make that deal with the COVID devil to allow us to return you know, our economy and our infrastructure back to something like it was a year ago. Now, you know, I get it, you know, 33, 34 million people are unemployed right now. That jobs have been, you know, uh, fur they've been furloughed, they've been hours reduced, or their jobs have been eliminated. Uh, I can speak again, I can speak to that from personal experience. The job I held, that position was eliminated because the marketplace for the work that we did had shrunk so much due to the impacts of COVID-19 that it was no longer viable for the company to continue the position that I held. So, you know, in those 33 million folks, if you look carefully, you'll see me waving my hand because I'm one of them. You know, I get it. You know, it, it, it creates an impact. It's, you know, as I said, this is something we have never seen before uh, of an illness that has come in and just in such a short time has created such devastation from an economic standpoint uh, in this country. You know, and the fact that certain segments of the population, particularly the poor and people of color, are disproportionately being impacted by it, in part because of the, the lack of preparation and necessary supplies in you know, certain areas of the country that were hit hard, and also from historical medical uh, you know, treatment levels and care levels that these groups you know, don't get in comparison with more affluent, you know, more suburban areas, uh, you know, they're, they're taking it on the chin. You know, and in the numbers that I was talking about, you know, and that's going to continue. And the more the numbers rise, the larger number of people that are going to be impacted by that. Um, so, you know, as I said, we, we've now seen a death rate that's higher than all of the military conflicts in, that this country has, has been in since the Vietnam War. Um, we're, we're closing in on 80,000 people who have died from this disease. And the projections are that we could see anywhere from 130,000 to 160,000 people who will perish if we recklessly reopen uh, the states up. So while, while I understand the frustration, you know, the weather in most areas is turning nice. Um, people have been locked in their houses or have been cooped up for, you know, quite a while. In some cases, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, you know, uh, going on out to 10 weeks, and we're still going to have more time where we are going to need to be, you know, quarantined at home uh, as we deal with this illness. Um, and, you know, it, it's just something that we're going to have to take into account. We're going to have to suck it up and we're going to have to deal with. You know, we will find ways to get segments of the economy back. But in some regards, this means that we are going to have to do what we need to do in order to keep ourselves safe. Uh, we can, of course, rely on our, our local, our state governments and our national uh, governments to provide assistance. Uh, but, you know, as we've seen in the past few weeks, 
those have some some very hefty political strings uh, that are tied to them, and you know there there have been cases where, for example, the administration was saying how that funding for you know medical equipment and reimbursements to the states uh, for their cost to to battle the COVID disease are you know going to be tied to various political objectives. Uh, that the administration has, uh, notably among them, that states that have sanctuary cities where you know immigrants can can be secure from you know the, the threat of deportation, etc., uh, while they pursue citizenship in this country, those states you know with those sanctuary cities are not going to get federal aid. Uh, there are other uh, you know things that have been put out there. The leader of the Senate. Uh, has has advocated letting the states actually be able to file bankruptcy in order to restructure their debt to pay off the the billions of dollars that this disease has cost. You know the 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 games that are being played. You know as always uh, are wide and deep and you know uh, in, intrusive. And you know we need to be communicating with our leadership and telling them look. Uh, this is not a time for political games. This is not a time for partisanship. This is a time for our country to come together as one and combat this disease in every way we can, including doing what you know our our doctors and our scientists are telling us is required. So you know when you are the vice president of the United States and you go into the Mayo Clinic where the COVID-19 disease is present, where there are signs telling you that it's a mandatory mask area and you don't wear a mask uh, because you believe that because you're being tested, uh, you don't need to, uh, that sends a wrong message. You know, that, that's not a good leadership image. The optics of that are not good. Uh, and, you know, as we speak about, you know, the vice president and the president, one of the other events that happened in the past week is that, you know, those chickens came home to roost. Uh, several members of the White House staff, including the press secretary to the vice president, have tested positive for the coronavirus, which created an absolute panic. Uh, well, maybe not panic, but it created some really raw emotions uh, that occurred uh, in, in the White House. Uh, it was reported that the president was absolutely fuming that, you know, this, this person who one of the aides who was actually the person that serves him his meals, uh, what's titled as the president's valet, uh, tested positive for this virus. Um, you know, and that, that's a serious concern. You know, whether, whether you, you support the president or you don't support the president, you have to support the notion that the, the office of the presidency of the United States is an important and vital office that is necessary for the leadership of this country. You know, you can disagree with the policies, you can disagree with the procedures and practices that are put in place, but the fact that the, the, the president of our country uh, has been exposed to an illness that is potentially fatal uh, is a cause for serious concern. And it doesn't matter who is, is sitting in the Oval Office. Uh, that is a cause for national concern. Same thing with the vice president. Uh, now we learned just over the weekend that the two medical leaders of the, the White House Coronavirus Task Force, uh, specifically Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx, 
they are going to be quarantining themselves for 14 days because they have been in in proximity to these staff people who may have been infected or who are infected with the coronavirus rather and you know they're going to do you know the right thing and isolate themselves until they're sure that they are not contagious or they do not have the coronavirus disease this disease goes after anybody you know it, it doesn't matter who you are what station you hold you know from from the lowliest person you know uh cleaning cleaning the streets or the lowliest person you know working in the hospital all the way up to being within arm's reach of the, the leader of the free world and the number two person in leadership in our country, uh, that this illustrates just how pervasive this illness is and why we need to take it seriously and do what's, what's required. Um, in, in other news, you know, we, we have situation where the, as I said, the political battles going on uh, the, the name calling, the personal attacks, and all of that are continuing as, you know, this, this battle against this illness uh, moves forward, you know. And, and it's clear, everybody's nerves are raw. Everybody has been, you know, pushed to long hours in strange circumstances, uh, being, you know, stuck in the house, you know, what we're starting to see is a lot of people exhibiting the, the signs of the stress this is causing from, you know, emotional stress to uh, physical violence, you know, the a number of assaults and, you know, um, uh, domestic violence cases has seen an increase. Uh, the amount of outreach to, you know, to, to uh, professionals to help deal with the stresses and, and the mental impacts of this disease is increasing. So yeah, we are feeling the strain. You know, as I said, this virus has exposed some very raw areas in this country that, you know, we thought we had under control, uh, but COVID coronavirus is teaching us otherwise. So we are going to be making adjustments to deal with this disease for a long time to come. And we just have to make sure that, that we are paying attention to it and that we're doing what we need to do. You know, so, you know, one of the things, there a news article out, you know, that was talking about the, the president's personal valet and, you know, what, what transpired with, with Pence. And the other thing that we're seeing is this, the so-called mixed messaging and confusing messages that have been coming out of our leadership, you know, and and I'm looking at a news article here on Politico, and it talks about how the president uh, was a, a big proponent of reopening uh, the the state's economies in public. However, you know, privately, his team has been telling him uh, that this could be problematic, and the things that are out there that could impact you know what what's going to happen and ultimately you know it, it's clear that the the president is feeling the strain you know he he's used to being out at his rallies and you know feeling the the adoration of his base and he can't do that because he can't leave the white house um but you know it, it it's taking a a cost and 
it is becoming, you know, probably what's going to be as we move through, you know, the, the summer and the, the balance of the primary season and get into the Democratic, pri uh, Democratic Convention and the other elements that lead us up to the election in November, that this is going to be one of the top political issues of the election. You know, it is going to be a referendum on how well the administration has handled this this virus, how well they have responded to it, and you know it's going to be a scorecard on you know the the governors that are up for re-election, the state senators that are up for re-election, the local mayors and city councils and and boards, and everybody because this disease has hit every aspect of our political institution from top to bottom. So. You know, it, it is something that, you know, we, we need to make sure we are keeping tabs on, that we are doing our homework on, as, as I always tell you, you know, dig deeper, dig wider, you know, find out the information. Because if you listen to just the, the news sources, uh, whether, you know, it's the conservative media, the liberal media, the progressive media, whoever, you're going to get different versions of the same story. So, you know, my advice is listen to as many of them as you can and find out which facts they have in common because that's probably the truthful fact of the story itself. Dig in, get your own information. Uh, make sure that you're doing what you need to do. All right. So as we, we wind down to the, the final few minutes of the show, um, I'm going to forego the break, but I'm going to jump right into the call to action segment. Uh, obviously, you know, keeping safe for from the coronavirus is, you know, topic number one. Let's make sure that, you know, we're masked up, we're gloved up, we're washing our hands, we're washing down surfaces that, that we come in contact with, you know, frequently. Uh, that is, is paramount to help containing the spread of the illness. Uh, obviously, you want to keep in tune to the information coming out, not just you know, how many people got sick today and how many people died today, but dig into what the medical professions are telling us, what the scientific community is telling us. Um, also, don't forget that we are right in the middle of the census and, you know, go to, you know, 2020census.gov and complete the census for your household. It's critically important and, you know, this pandemic is illustrating why that census data is so vital because that's what goes into the statistics that we get that's what goes into the budgets and funding that we get that's what drives you know where the dollars go you know so support for your local hospitals comes out of information that is gathered by the census also let's make sure that as i always say you know the elections are coming up make sure you are registered to vote Make sure that you reach out to your state election office and find out the process and procedures for getting mail-in ballots just in case the virus uh, rears its ugly head in a very big way, which a lot of the scientists and medical community is telling us that you know, we are going to see a second round and it is going to be worse than what we've gone through so far. Uh, make sure that you have put in your request for an absentee ballot. Uh, many states, uh, and it's moving toward being, you know, the most states are, are lightening up the restrictions on absentee ballot requests to basically no excuse 
just as a result of responding to the COVID-19 uh, crisis that we're in. So make sure that your voting status is up to date uh, and that you are prepared with everything you need to get out and cast your ballot uh, this election season. So that, that's going to bring us uh, up to the, the end of our show. Uh, it's been jam-packed this week. Um, let's make sure, everybody, that you're staying safe, that you've got your masks on, you're wearing your gloves, you're being you know, socially conscious in terms of your distancing from other individuals as you get out and about. And as you know, areas in your state reopen, absolutely get out and support your businesses, but just make sure that you're doing it safely. I want to thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fire It Up on WJMSRadio.com. This is Steve. I'm your host. I will see you again, you know, as we do each week to talk about politics. So please take care, stay safe, stay healthy, and I will talk to you again in seven days. Wherever you stand, calling every woman, calling every man. We're the generation we can't afford to wait. The future started yesterday, and we're already late.